0: Morning. When Ed was saying about uh, just giving you a heads up, I thought he was going to tell you about the uh, men's elite road race cycling this afternoon. I thought it was the world championship. I thought that was what you were aiming for, but but clearly something way more important than that. Great, welcome. Lovely to see everybody. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know, I'm Deborah um, and uh, I'm going to be speaking this morning. So this month we have been looking at the life uh, of King David as well as some of the psalms, the songs and the poems that he wrote to see what we can learn and apply to our life. We've looked at the story of David being brave and stepping up to fight Goliath. We've looked at uh, David's loyalty to his friend Jonathan. And last week, uh, Ed looked at um, uh, David's heart of worship. But today, we're going to be looking at David's biggest failure as a person. How he committed adultery uh, and how he uh, murdered and when I first realized what I was going to be speaking on, I thought I'd pulled the short straw. I felt like, uh, yeah, that I had got the sort of the depressing melodrama compared to all the blockbuster inspiring stories of the previous weeks. But as I continued to realize, uh, read, I realized that, in fact, uh, there was lots of great news to share from these passages. Now, not many of us will... be involved in the the damage and destruction to the extent of David, but we all do things that are wrong. We all do things and think things and say things that that don't honor God or, or might hurt other people. So we're going to look this morning at what we can learn from David getting it wrong so that we can uh, put it into practice when we get things wrong too. So we're we're going to start uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. Um, We're going to show the the words on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your Bibles, uh, then you need to turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11 and uh, we're going to read verse from 1 to 4. And I'm going to read it from here, I think. Oh, no, I'm going to have to read it from there. I'm going to have to stand a bit closer. Um, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbi. But David remained in Jerusalem. One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman washing. The woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her. The man said, she is Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Then David sent messages to get her. She came to him, and he slept with her. Now, something isn't right from the very first verse. It says, at the time when kings go off to war, but David remained in Jerusalem. You know, going out with his army was David's job as king, but he stayed in Jerusalem, in his palace, with his luxuries and his comforts around him. You know, we see from this that David's heart was no longer fully focused on pleasing God, on serving God, on following God. Perhaps David felt like, you know, he deserved a break. He'd been fighting wars most of his life and, you know, maybe felt like he'd done enough. Others could fight the battles now and do all the the risky stuff. Now, I'm sure you know, as humans, if we stop exercising, our muscles get flabby. I could demonstrate, but I won't. Um, And in the same way, if we stop serving the Lord then our faith can get flabby. No one wants flabby faith. Who wants flabby faith? Um, John Wimber, a wise pastor and famous musician, often used to say, it's hard to sit still and be good. And that's what we see next in David's story. David had stopped doing what God had called him to. And then he sees Bathsheba, and even though he finds out she's married to one of his loyal soldiers, he sends for her and and sleeps with her. Now, sleeping with another man's wife, wife might have stayed a secret if it hadn't been for the fact that she becomes pregnant. David was going to be found out. So he arranges for Uriah to come back so he can spend a night or two with his wife and and the affair will be covered up. But Uriah refuses to go home. He didn't think it was fair to to go uh, to enjoy the comforts of home while the rest of the army are still camped out by the battlefield. You know, I think David's moral failure looks even more stark in contrast to Uriah's integrity, doesn't it? David's cover-up plan fails, and his sin takes an even more depraved and costly turn. He gives Uriah a message to carry back to the front line, and this message is effectively Uriah's death warrant. David's message to the, the commanders uh, in the army is to put Uriah right at the front of the battle, where it was that the battle was most intense, and then at the key moment to pull back the rest of the army and to leave Uriah exposed. And of course, this leads to Uriah's death. So David then marries uh, Bathsheba. Uh, she has a baby, and it looks like David's sin will stay a secret. But David should have known that God sees every human heart. So a little while later, God sends uh, the prophet Nathan to speak to David. I'm not sure whether it was God's... Um, God's plan, or God's wisdom, or, or whether just just that, that godly wisdom of, of Nathan, but Nathan doesn't confront David immediately. Instead, he tells him a, a story about a rich man. I don't know if you can see in the sunlight, uh, a baby lamb, a poor the, a poor man's uh, pet lamb, who is then stolen by the rich man and cooked and eaten. And um, it's a little bit of a sad story, but let's read from uh, from, day, uh, from 2 Samuel chapter 12 and, and we can see David's reaction to this story. It says, David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, oh, surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over. Because he did such a thing and had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. You are the man. Gosh. Are we thoroughly depressed yet by David's moral failures? <laughs> well, now for the good news. Because God's spirit at work through the, the message of, of Nathan actually has an impact on David. As I said, many of the Psalms, the songs and poems in the middle of our Bibles were written by David. You know, we can read the details of what was happening in, in David's, uh, David's life, in the history books of our Bible. But we can also read sort of the behind the scenes, you know, what, what David was thinking and feeling during these times by reading the Psalms and we can see the result of Nathan's words on David in Psalm 51. So we're going to read parts of Psalm 51 now. We're going to start verse 1 to 3, and then we're going to skip to verse 10. So have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. David says, for I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. David had been ignoring his guilt. But, but God, through the words of Nathan, revealed to David his sin. What had been going on in his heart as well as the actions that he'd taken. And the good news is God, through the work of his spirit in our lives, can reveal to us our wrong attitudes and actions. God brings revelation to our lives. You know, the role of God's Holy Spirit is to reveal the truth. The truth about who we are and what we're like. But also the truth uh, about who God is and what he's like. David says just right at the start of this verse this this um, this psalm it's quite stark it says have mercy on me O God according to your unfailing love according to your great compassion blot out my transgressions there's such a confidence in David's words isn't it when when he comes to God. That confidence, it can't be built on, on who David is or his his rights, because he's he suddenly realized how morally bankrupt he, he is and how utterly sinful. But at the same time, he's just completely confident in God, in God's compassion, in God's unfailing love. He knows that God can forgive him and restore him and bring freedom from guilt. And the Holy Spirit can reveal God's love and compassion to us too. You know, there's nothing we can do to make God love us more. And there's nothing we can do to make God love us less. God's love for each of us is absolute. And we know God's absolute love for us because of the sacrifice of Jesus John three sixteen, perhaps the most famous verse in the Bible, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the next verse goes on to say, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, God didn't send Nathan to David to condemn him, to say, you're a murderer, you're an adulterer, and God is going to zap you. He sent Nathan to draw David back, David to that place of repentance, to the point where he could could see and confess his sin and, and find forgiveness and transformation. The good news is that's the work of Jesus in our lives too. So God brings revelation, but God also brings cleansing. You know, God doesn't just forgive us, but leave us feeling all sort of dirty and, and guilty and bad. He can actually completely clean us up. God cleans people up. He cleans our minds when we've been looking and, uh, at things that uh, aren't helpful. helpful he, he cleans our bodies when we've done things we're ashamed of. He, he cleans our spirits, that innermost part of us, when we've thought of things that are selfish or are judgmental. And he cleaned David up. David says, wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. So I've got a, um, a short film for us to watch that shows something of, of how God is still cleaning up people completely today. So let's watch.
1: My name is Bertie Emmanuel, and I participated in the 1994 genocide Agnes de Tutsi. I murdered many Tutsi under the order of bad leadership and have spent six years in prison and four years in community service. While in prison, fellow prisoners invited me to try Alpha. I went, but struggled to engage. I realized I needed to tell the truth about what I had done and wrote a letter asking for forgiveness of the relatives of those I had murdered. Life was so hard after being released from prison. I found my wife with two children that were not mine and I faced many heartbreaking situations. I didn't know how I was going to live with the genocide survivors after what I had done. My heart was filled with agony loneliness and fear. Encouraged by Alpha in prison, I decided to do Alpha again. I learned that Jesus forgives and experienced love in a way I had never known before. With the help of a local pastor, I went to find Vincent, whose mother and grandmother I had killed, to ask for forgiveness. I now live in a village built for genocide survivors and perpetrators. Vincent lives in the same village. We have formed a friendship and I now experience peace like I haven't experienced it before. Day-to-day life continues to be a challenge, but I have found forgiveness and healing for the things that I have done. Got questions about life, try out.
0: Such a, a powerful story, isn't it? Uh, uh, a story about a man who sinned so atrociously, experiencing that the agony, he said, and, and the, the burden of his own sin weighing down then discovering that Jesus forgives. And he said he now experiences peace like he's never experienced before. God brings that transformation. Only Jesus, we prayed it, we sang it earlier, only Jesus can bring that sort of transformation. It's the transforming power of God. And David experienced that transformation too. Uh, He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. God's spirit works to transform us into new people it's not just about stopping doing uh, bad things. yeah you know, god can create a, a pure heart in us so that we can think and feel differently about how we're living our lives. the things that we do that we don't want to do can become less attractive and have less power over us. you know, it might be today that you recognizing for the first time uh, that, that you the way that you've been living and and you want to think and act uh, differently you you know that life needs to change and the good news of the gospel is that God can do that for you he can clean you up and transform your life or it might be that you're here and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time But you know recently, like like David, perhaps, that you're no longer fully focused. No longer fully focused on pleasing God or following Him. Maybe actually just yeah, you just want a rest and you just want to be comfortable at home like David. Maybe you're just aware that you've become distracted and your heart is focused on other things. The good news for you is that the Lord can call you back to him. He can restore to you the joy of your salvation, just like David prayed. You know, I felt like God wanted everybody to hear that this morning, that he can can restore to you that joy of his salvation. We can have confidence that he will do that. It's going to invite the band back up now. We've got an opportunity just to to respond to what God might have been saying to each of us this morning. So we're just gonna, I'm just going to ask everybody if, if you if you want to, if you uh, if you're able to, why don't you stand with me? Just so we're in that sort of place of uh, focus and being open. Just want to show you a um, a little video, uh, so uh, that someone just sent me this morning that um, that I think speaks might speak Hi, to us.
2: Hi, Highgrove. My name's Alice. I'm one of the leaders at Branch Church in uh, Brentry and Henbury. Um, I just wanted to give you a message this morning because um, I was praying this morning and um, yeah, just felt that uh, God might be saying something, which was for one of you guys here this morning, um, and it was a picture of somebody with very bitten down nails with purple, quite bright purple nail varnish on. And it may be that you're not wearing it now, but you have worn it in the past. And, and don't be freaked out if you think, oh my gosh, that's me. I used to, you know, used to have nails like that. Just, I think God just wants to say that he loves you. That's the overriding message. He loves you. Um, but also he is seeing the anxiety that you were facing when you had your nails really, really bitten down and he wants to restore you and give you his gift of peace. So if that's you, do find um, somebody afterwards to pray with you about that. Lots of love. Bye.
0: So, um, yeah, th- th- there's just a sense that God, I think, just wants to work among us this morning. He wants to bring some freedom, bring some healing, bring some transformation. So we're just going um, to pray that he, he comes. And we're just going to may- maybe just want to hold out your hands as a sign just to say we're welcoming you. And we pray that ancient prayer that the church has prayed for 2,000 years Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We believe that God is here. By His Spirit, He's moving amongst us. Sometimes it can just take us a little bit of time just to tune in to God, but do just keep keep trusting that He's here, keep trusting that He's at work. I think particularly if if that message of, of just sort of getting to, being distracted recently is for you, then then it might just take a little bit longer, even to connect to reconnect with God. Yeah, Lord, thank you that you You didn't come to this world to condemn us, but to save us. For those of us here who are perhaps just trying out church, just trying to work out what this faith thing is, I pray the Holy Spirit that you will reveal Jesus to each person. We pray that you will reveal Jesus, this life transformation feel that power and for anybody who, um, who has felt like they've been distracted let's choose now to recommit our lives to Jesus to recommit our focus recommit our time and energy onto pleasing him
1: Jesus